You are listening to Episode 70 of the Less Stress, More Fun Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about expressing and receiving love. You are listening to the Less Stress, More Fun Podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Coach Lisa Schwaller. Each week on the podcast, we talk about how you can rise above the stress of modern living so that you can focus your energy on what matters most and have a lot more fun in the process. All right, let's get started. Hello, how are you today? I love February. Here in the U.S., it's almost impossible to ignore that it's Valentine's Day season. We go from New Year's resolution and goals, goals, goals into, you know, a month that's just covered with pink and red in hearts everywhere, all these reminders of romantic love. And I quite like all of it. I love the hearts and the colors and the teddy bears. It's just very cheerful to me. And because it is being recognized in the United States, I thought it would be the best time to talk about another personality framework, the five love languages. As with all the frameworks I discuss here on the podcast, please take what serves you, avoid putting yourself or others into a box, and know, of course, that your own mileage with this may vary. Because our goal here on the Less Stress, More Fun podcast is less stress, not more. We don't want to do the other way around. We're trying to bring a lot more fun and love into the world. So what is the five love languages? Dr. Carrie Chapman wrote the book called The Five Love Languages in 1992. It has become very well known, especially for people like myself who support individuals and couples with their romantic relationships. He has also taken the concept of the love languages and written books that apply to parenting, the workplace, and yes, single people. Some don't like the love languages because of the way it's presented that people have a problem with, but I enjoy it. And like with a lot of things, I am perfectly capable of sifting out for the gemstones and chunks of gold and chucking the rest back in the river, right? So I'll share my opinions about the framework during the podcast, and that's really based in my own personal experience, some of the trainings that I've taken as well as how I hear people talk about it. But without further ado, let me first describe to you, I'll list the five languages with examples of each, and some of these may be romantic-related or other relationship-related. The first language is words of affirmation. This could be an expression of a compliment, being recognized, it could be written or verbal. Words of affirmation could be like, oh, I really appreciated when you picked up dinner on the way home. You knew I was running late and we probably wouldn't be able to prepare the meal we'd planned. Or it could be thank you notes. My aunt really taught me the value of writing thank you notes. And it's so funny because now that I have kids, we take our thank you notes very seriously. So thank you, Auntie Donna, for that example that you set for us. Because words of affirmation, when it's someone's language, it's so meaningful. And honestly, 
it's really a fun language to practice, to give. The second one is quality time. This might show up like date nights. Oh, this is time for us to get away from our everyday life. A parenting example might be going on a field trip or a lunch with just one of your kids. That's something I've personally, even before I became a parent, I thought, oh, it'd be so neat to just have some one-on-one time with your kids and develop that relationship where they have 100% access to my attention. At work, this might look like a manager, an employee, making time for regular one-on-one meetings. This is just essentially in the relationship saying, you're important to me, you're a priority to me, and the best way I can express that priority is to share my time. The third love language is receiving gifts. This is an object of any value that expresses the gift giver was thinking of the recipient. What I think is fun about this love language is this and words of affirmation kind of can overlap, like a very thoughtful card or something that's expressive that way. But, you know, receiving gifts as a love language could be, oh, I just love to get flowers, like some of maybe the traditional elements we think about as it relates to a romantic relationship, you know, jewelry, um, things that you need for your home, that kind of thing. The fourth language is acts of service. And this could be getting assistance with chores at work. Someone could express acts of service by jumping in to help with a work project if you're working towards a deadline. Um, What is so loving, one of my sons loves acts of service and he replaces the trash bag. So if I take the trash out, you know, to the main bin or out to the curb, I will come in, and if he is home, that trash bag will be there every time. He's just very thoughtful that way of that act of service of helping me out. The fifth love language is physical touch. Hugs, kisses in a romantic relationship. And I like to think of this even in a non-romantic setting. It could be high fives, fist bumps, handshakes, just something that says, you matter to me and I trust you enough to offer you connection with my body and yours. So those are the five love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, let's talk about how this framework can reduce stress and boost fun and connection in your life. I like to start with you. What matters to you? And really getting to know what you value and what you believe and why. So when you hear that list of five love languages, which ones were most appealing to you? You might think, oh, yes, I love to receive loving gestures, friendship gestures, support at work in these languages. You may also notice that you like to give similarly to how you like to receive. Now. Take it deeper. If you know your preferences, get curious. Where did you learn what you now take for granted? Where did you learn to prioritize acts of service over, you know, gifts, for example? Chances are you may come out of a culture where some of these love languages were expressed more readily and some were not, and you may have a preference in comparison to or contrast to 
what you grew up with or certain relationships as you were developing and get to know, like, why do I like what I like? And is it on purpose? Would you choose it again if you had the chance to rewire your brain from scratch? Another way that the five love language framework can reduce a lot of stress as well as boosting connection is it, it is one way to read other people. You may have a coworker who seems to thrive on recognition. One of your kids may thrive on gift giving. Now, here in Less Stress, More Fun land, we know that you are under no obligation to serve or deliver another person's love languages. We'll talk about that more later. At the same time, when you choose to, it can be such a simple and joyful way to connect with others. So I'm thinking about someone in my life who loves things. If a package arrives, even if it's not for them, they like to open it. They just love gifts, which is so interesting because gifts is probably my lowest. If I never got another birthday present or Christmas gift, I I just, it's like it, it doesn't even, it's like a language that doesn't even have anything installed in my mind. But for this person in my life, they they value that. For me, even though that isn't my natural way to receive or even to give love, because I know it's so much fun for them to receive gifts. I just love to get things for them. I love to order from Amazon so that they can open the package. It can be so much fun to read other people and a way to connect and to offer your love to someone else. Finally, learning about the love language framework can be a great way to play together with the other people in your life. Just talking about it with the people you're close to can be fun, even in a workplace setting. So words of affirmation, if you know someone on your team loves word of affirmation, I used to um, have business cards that had they had a quote on it, but they were blank. And I would write a little message and stick it on somebody's keyboard. And it was just so much fun, especially for people who liked gifts or words to have just, you know, that little tangible reminder that someone was noticing and appreciating their efforts. So how can you use this framework, like just bring it into conversation with your family, with your romantic partner, and see if you can make a game of it. It can be fun to guess other people's love languages. And it can be fun to, you know, think of different ways to deliver on that if that's something that you really want to do. Now we're going to move into the cautionary part of the podcast, how not to use the five love languages. I talk a lot about frameworks on this podcast. I've done several so far, the four tendencies and the Clifton strengths. I love these things. I think they're so powerful. If you take the good and you don't put yourself or anyone else into a category, in a box, people are fluid. And most of us probably appreciate a genuine gesture from any of these languages. It's interesting because one of my Clifton strengths is individualization. I'm very attuned to the fact that people are not one way on Monday and always the same on Friday. And yet not everybody has that fluidity of how they perceive. So it's just a friendly reminder that someone may 
prefer receiving gifts, but they might change as they as they grow and have different life experiences. And just because one person is acts of service and another person's touch doesn't mean anything unless you let it. And the second piece is just please don't expect other people to bend to your will. Don't do it. It's gross and manipulative. Don't do it. I say don't don't bend people to your will as I encourage you to please bend to mine. But playfully, really, if you have a request, if there's something that you would like to see, you can place a request anytime, anywhere, for any reason, and the other person gets to decide whether or if to deliver on your request. You get to do what you're going to do and other people going to do what they do. Finally, this is not a hammer and not everything's a nail. So as you practice the five love languages, if, if this is something you've heard about before, or maybe this is bringing you know, up something you've encountered before, or, or maybe this is your first time hearing about it, you know, you you can start to detect, oh, this person, oh, my coworker over here loves acts of service, and they, it just really deepens the relationship when I help them out with a task or even when I ask them to help me. And you you start to read yourself and other people, and it can help you show up a little bit more intentionally. It can help you be more purposeful and how you're forming connections. And, you know, over time, I think when you really practice living with the love languages in all the domains of your life, not just in romantic partnership, it sort of becomes pardon the pun, like a second language to you. It just becomes very natural to detect, ah, oh, yes, this this person really appreciates quality time and I want to deepen the connection with them. So maybe this is one way that will be enjoyable for both of us. All right, the five love languages. Of course, there isn't a simple way to form a healthy relationship. Like one strategy is not a cure-all. Every connection is unique. Every connection evolves over time. And I think this framework, the five love languages, gives you just another way to observe and respond to the people in your life. And I definitely want to encourage you to go check out the store on the five love languages website. Obviously, you know me. The links are in the show notes. Um, they have amazing resources. They have books galore on romantic relationships, parenting, workplace issues, apologies. There were even a couple that I hadn't heard of before where I thought, oh, I definitely want to check these out, like the 52 ways to unwind together or 52 uncommon dates and 52 family adventures. And I thought, how fun. So just doing the research for this episode brought a few gifts into my world. Now, let's close out by offering you an invitation. So this week, I invite you to take the quiz to see what your love languages are. The link to the quizzes on their website is it's separated out in the show notes. And while I was exploring this, I found an article on ideas.ted.com um, about, do you know the five love languages? I just really liked it. It was really 
it really kind of added a lot of compliment to the things I wanted to talk to you about today. So I've linked to the article, but in that article <laughs> all uh, is the link to the author's TED Talk on Are All Relationships Messy? And I would just, I was just in love with this TED Talk. So please go check that out. And to answer that question, are all relationships messy? Sure, yes. But that, in a way, is what makes them so valuable, I think. And it's fun to use frameworks like the five love languages to play inside the messy truth that comes from forming connections with yourself and with others. Thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review wherever you listen. This will help other listeners find the show and bring less stress, more fun out into the world. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next week.